Uh, good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. It's great to hear stories like Pete's, isn't it? Because sometimes I think we get into this mindset and get into this notion that the problems that we face, the challenges that we face, what we're called to do is the only time the church has ever been called to do it. But the reality is, Hope Baptist Church didn't start with us. It won't finish with us. We are the people God has called together for such a time as this to be involved in the things that God is calling us to do in the here and now. And as Zoe has mentioned several times this morning, we're starting a new sermon series together this morning. Look at it, what it means to be the people of God and input into the next generation that we have been entrusted with. Because let's face it, church, we are blessed here at Hope Baptist Church with the children and the young people that we have in this place. And that comes with a responsibility. You see, each and every one of us has a role and responsibility to nurture and care for the children and young people that we have here in this place. I believe there is a group of children and young people here who can grow up to be world changers in Jesus' name, and we have the responsibility to input into them. But you know what? Sometimes our words and our actions don't really match up with the call that we are called to. We'll make well-meaning comments at times, won't we? Like, like children, the children that we have, they are the church of the future. I'm a little bit screechy, it sounds. Does it sound more out there? Okay. The children are the church of the future. Not realising that Jesus said, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them. The children that we have in this place, the young people that we have in this place. They're not the church of the future. They are the church of today. They're not merely meant to be shoved into another room so we can get on with being the church, but they are part of the makeup and the fabric of who we are right now. We forget that we have a lot to learn from children and young people too, don't we? We get annoyed when our children are too loud or too rowdy or too noisy or they're running around and they feel like they are disrupting things. But we forget that Jesus says, if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, you've got to receive as a little child. And my hope and my prayer as we begin this sermon series together, thinking about what it means to input into that next generation, those children and young people who are not the church of tomorrow, but the church of today, my hope and my prayer is that there is an encouragement for each and every one of us to play our part in the story of their lives that we have been entrusted with. Here's an astounding fact and figure for you. Did you know that 72% of all Christians come to know Jesus before the age of 19 years old? 72%. We have a mission field right here in this building, and that's before we even start reaching out to the children and the young people and the families that surround this church and the many, many streets around this building. 72%. And I know that that was true for me. I came to know Jesus at the age of about 14. And you know, it's great that we have a big children's group here. It's great that we have children and young people in every age and stage of life. And that seems and appears to be growing all the time. We can look at what we're doing and we can think to ourselves, well, we must be doing something right. But... The fact of the matter is, we have a battle on our hands for our youth and children. And the question is, 
What are we going to do about it? You see, the modern goal for raising children and young people is that children and young people, they're raised in comfort and safety and we give them space to figure out who they are for themselves. That's the ultimate goal of secular parenthood, isn't it? Yet the Bible teaches something about raising children and young people which is vastly countercultural to the way the world would raise our children and young people. The world teaches us that truth emanates from who we are. We get to decide who we are, how we might identify and how we want to be known. And then our truth is then validated by the community around us. But the Bible teaches that the direction of our children and young people's lives is set by God and it's coached by us. And we need the wisdom of Scripture to help us combat the foolishness of the world. And the challenge for each and every one of us this morning is simply this. How are we training our children and our young people to walk God's path? Are we doing that? Or are we teaching them to find their own way? And that leads us this morning to really the the one verse in Scripture that we're going to be honing in on together this morning, which is Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. And it says this, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even in his old age he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even in his old age he will not depart from it. This was once a popular verse among Christian parents because it appears at first glance and first sight when you read this that this verse tells us Parents, if you do what you are supposed to do, then the promise is that your kids will turn out to be godly children. But when that's our understanding of a verse in Scripture like this, what we're led to is really a bit of a transactional theology. What I mean by that is really we reduce our theology to like putting coins in a vending machine. If I put enough coins in this vending machine, if I do the things that I am supposed to do, then God is obligated to produce the perfect child and the perfect person, and they will definitely follow him. And what that leads to, for the parents of those children and young people who, in brackets, turn out well, it leads them to look back with a sense of joy and a sense of pride. We did our parenthood well. Our children follow Jesus. Aren't we good parents? But... For those who raise children who don't end up following Jesus, it leads them to look back on their parenthood experience, possibly with a sense of guilt and a sense of shame because their children don't follow Christ. You know, I have met some of the most godly people who did everything right when it comes to raising their children and nurturing their children, but their children at this point in time don't follow Christ. What we need to understand, when we come to a book like Proverbs, Proverbs is essentially a book of principles and not promises. What we have in front of us when we read a verse like Proverbs 22, when it tells us to train our children up in the way they should go and in their old age they won't depart, what we have in front of us are great principles to live by and they give our children the best possibility and the best chance of following God into their adulthood but it's not a cast-iron guarantee. When we raise our children, 
and they end up walking away from Christ, it doesn't make us bad parents or it doesn't make us failures. If that were the case, there's a strong case in Scripture to argue that God himself is a bad parent. Because God is referred to as the father of Israel. And what do we see from Scripture? Constantly, Israel hardening their hearts and walking away from God. You can do everything right as a parent, and your child can still walk away from Christ. Raising our children as godly children does not guarantee always they're going to be godly adults. And what we see in Proverbs are wise guidelines that give those who are entrusted in our care the best possible chance of following God and living the life that he calls them to. The primary responsibility when it comes to this lies with parents, of course, but guess what? And this is the point I want to drive home today as we begin to think about these things for ourselves and what it means to have a great children and young people's group in this place. The primary responsibility lies with parents, but each and every one of us has a part to play too. So whether you are in this building today and you are young or you are old, whether you are here and you are married with children, or you are here and you're married and you don't have children, whether you are single and looking, whether you are single and you are happy to stay that way, if you are part of Hope Baptist Church, you have a role and a responsibility in the nurture and the care of the children and young people that we have entrusted to us here in this place. And when it comes to raising children and young people, some people think, that the role of raising those children and young people is simply to provide food, shelter, and a safe upbringing for those children. That is part of it. But when that's where our responsibility stops for raising children and young people, we're no different to the animal kingdom because that's what they will do too. So what we end up doing is we add another layer to it and we say, well, my role, our role, is to love our children. All you need is love. That's a great Beatles song, but it's a lousy parenting philosophy if that is where it stops. Because there are a lot of kids, there are a lot of children who have terrible behaviour, who aren't being brought up in the Lord, but they are loved a lot by those around them. It's more than that. We are called as parents and as people of influence for children and young people, we're called to train them up in the way that they should go. So practically... With that in mind, I want to ask the question today, what does it look like to train a child up in the way that they should go? Well, first of all, when we read any wisdom literature from Scripture, like the book of Proverbs, what we see described to us really is that there are only two ways that a person in life can go. They can go the way of wisdom and life, or they can go the way of folly and death. But more than that, Training a child up is about a life of dedication. The Hebrew word here, which is used in this passage uh, and is referred to as train up, is the word hanak. It's a word that actually only appears three other times in the Old Testament. And interestingly, every other time that it appears in the Old Testament, it's not tra uh, translated train up, but it's translated dedicates, meaning to set the foundations right, to start something or to initiate something. And here's the thing. When it comes to training a child up in the way that they should go, we don't have to train a child up in the way that they would go naturally. 
If you've been around children or young people for any length of time, you will know that a child and young person will go the way that they want to go. We're called to train them up, not in the way that they would go, but in the way that they should go. So when we're talking about training here in Scripture, we're talking about setting the direction of their life. Training, therefore, is aiming. It's our responsibility to set the direction of the children and the young people's lives that they might have the best opportunity in their life to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour for themselves. And Scripture points out a number of ways that we're called to do that. The most prevalent way that we're called to do that is ultimately to lead by example. Deuteronomy 6 verses 1 and 2 says this, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son and your son's sons might do the same by keeping all of his statutes and commandments. We train children up. We set the direction of a child's life by setting the example ourselves. How did Jesus train his disciples? This bunch of ragtag misfits, he walked with them, he spent time with them, he valued them, he showed them the ways of God whilst doing life with them. The truth is, parents, church, we cannot take our children somewhere we haven't been ourselves. We cannot Expect our children to come to know Jesus if we're not walking closely with him ourselves. You know, part of what makes us who we are as a church is the fact that we are a family church. We're made up of all different ages, all different generations, and therefore, this is a whole church responsibility. And the reality is, when we're talking about training up, all of our actions train in a certain way even in our passivity at times. What do I mean? Well, when we fail to lead our children in repentance to a sovereign God, we teach them that they can be kings and queens of their own life. By failing to instruct our children in God's commandments, we effectively teach them that the word of God is not the highest authority in their lives. By failing to set boundaries at times, we teach them we don't really care about what happens to them. By failing to constantly bring our children to be part of the family of God, we teach them that faith is an optional add-on in our lives. And if we don't really feel like it this week, that's all right. Don't worry about it. So if we're talking about setting an example, the challenge for each and every one of us, and believe me, church, I am preaching to myself this morning as much as I am preaching to anyone else. The challenge this morning is simply this. How is your own personal walk with the Lord right now? Are you truly seeking to walk in his ways? Or is faith an optional add-on for you? The simple fact is that parents and as a church family, we, we together have a responsibility to teach our children in the ways of God by leading by example. We're not called to force them into certain beliefs, but to demonstrate what genuine faith looks like. Parents, the primary responsibility lays with us. 
It's our responsibility to lead our households in the way that Joshua did when he said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But more than that, it is the responsibility of each and every one of us to train our children up and our young people up in the way that they should go, to set the direction of their lives by living a life of example that they might have the best opportunity to come to know Jesus for themselves. So what happens when we're talking about raising children and saying that the primary responsibility for that is with the parents? What happens when those parents don't exist? That is when it truly needs to be us as the church. And you know what? I know the importance of that for myself. I don't come from a Christian family. I've told you before, my parents were atheists. I didn't have those parents who poured into me and told me about Jesus and set that direction for myself. They loved me, but they didn't train me up in the way that I should go. For me personally, that came from spiritual mothers and fathers, people who loved me in a different way, who prayed for me, who sought my best spiritual welfare as well as my physical well-being. And this morning, it's very easy, isn't it, for us to go, do you know what, I've done my bit when it comes to this. I'm not going on rotors or anything like that. We're not asking necessarily for people to go on rotors, although if you want to, there's a space for you. What I want us to see today is that actually, whatever age you're at and whatever stage of life you're at, you have a responsibility and a role to play for these children and young people that we've seen pour out this morning. With that in mind, I want to introduce you to this morning to a man named Paul. Paul is a very successful businessman. He has two children of his own, and he has a large, wider family. He is very successful in most areas of life, and as a result, he could have chosen just to sit back and enjoy the fruits of his labor, and just enjoy the life that he had. But he chose not to. And the truth is, church, this morning I would not be stood on this platform without the influence of Paul in my life. And I just wanted to take a little moment to hopefully encourage you this morning to help you realize that you have a part to play in this by just giving you something of our testimony and our connection so here's a little video, hopefully, which will play any moment. I'm very well, actually. No, I really am very well. Yeah. Good, good. I like the shirt that you've got behind you there. Oh, well, I just thought I'd put that up, especially for your congregation. Um, a bit of history. We've won the FA Cup twice now, 1939 and um, uh, 2008 and in 1939 we've held it for the longest ever we won it and held it for seven years consecutively so that is, that is very true and all Plymouth Argyle fans do need to hear that but let me just introduce you to my congregation for a time this is Paul Paul is a good friend of mine but was also my youth worker uh, growing up back in the day and I was working out Paul earlier that I think we've known each other for about 27 years yeah I, I wasn't great when I first met you Luke <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You had a few, you were carrying a few extra pounds, if I'm honest, but you weren't quite well, as great. Yeah, and uh, affectionately was known as the uh, name of Wideload by you and a few of the other youth. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. So I just want to have a bit of a chat, really, because we're thinking and praying about our youth work at church and what it looks like and what's going to happen and what the next steps are. 
And really, we're doing a sermon series at the moment, which I've entitled Foundations for Faith. And you're coming in on one of my sermons today, and we're looking at a scripture from Proverbs, which says, train a child up in the way that he should go, and in old age, he won't depart. So I just wanted to have a bit of a chat about youth work and about life in terms of church and about how we nurture young people. But I thought it'd be good to start off, maybe you could tell something of what it was like having me as part of your youth group back in the day. Let me get my clock down. I just wonder how long I've got them. Right? <laughs> when it gets to the bottom, will you let me know and I'll stop? <laughs> yeah. um, it's, I, it, was, it was challenging in a great way, right? Because I, I think what I would say about you, when you came to faith, you were passionate and, and you actually you know, were just so hungry all the time. Um, I still am, to be honest. I'm well hungry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I think also it was the fact that, you know, you were quite an energetic lad. You were a, a really good mate of my, my son, Daniel. And uh, I just love that relationship that Daniel had with you, right? Um, I, I remember a few episodes like at um, Soul Survivor when we took everyone to Soul Survivor. Um, about six or, or five or six of you ganged up on me and tried to bring me down. And in the end, I just got a little bit more violent than perhaps I should have done and thought, I'm happy with you uh, But no, it was, yeah, it was some great times and, yeah, challenging and, but brilliant. And I just love, I love where you are now and I love that I've been a part of that journey. Yeah. So from my perspective, Paul, I look at your life and you're quite a successful businessman. You're, you know, you've got a bit of money in the bank, you've got a family and things. In many respects, what you could have done is just sat back and enjoyed the fruits of your labour and not really got involved and not really got invested in anything. What was it that made you get so heavily invested in youth work and, and all of that within the life of the church, even though you didn't really have to? Um, I, I think it's just always a passion within me, right? And, and yeah, God has always shown me, yeah, there's not, I'll have plenty of time to sit down on my backside and do nothing when I get to heaven. But while I'm down here, I can work. Yeah, we need to be sensible about it. I, you know, I couldn't run a youth group at my age now, and you know, I'm over 21 now, uh, than I could when I was you know, 21. Yeah, uh, I'm 68 this year, and you know, the knees don't work, mind you. My knees have never worked well, as you well know. Um, but I just think there is always a challenge. There's always a, a, a passion. God's put something within me that says, no matter what age I'm at, I will get involved. Um, part of that is my upbringing. Part of that is my gratefulness to God for what he's done for me. And I was talking to someone at work the other day about this. And I was just saying that, yeah, she said, why do you do all this sort of stuff with like the, the guys that have now retired, some of the elderly stuff that Julie and I get involved in cooking and and then also being involved with the youth, and um, yeah, recently we've been involved with the kids, uh, the kids club, dressed up as an elf and dressed up as various other things as well. Um, but I just think I've got a great story to tell, and part of that great story to tell is part of me living that out, rather than just verbally saying it, but living it out. And I suppose that's what drives me that I've got a real passion within me that God has put there that if something needs to be met, I'll quite happily meet that need, right? I, and I enjoy youth work. I think it's part of the, the whole thing that's never, I, I've never aged. Physically, I may have aged. Mentally, I've not aged. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is true. And like you said, you know, you are knocking on a bit now, Paul. Um, but you are still heavily involved in stuff in the life of the church, particularly when it's come to youth and children's work over the recent years as well. Yeah. My question to you, Paul, is like, how would you challenge people that have kind of said, I've done my bit when it comes to that. Now it's my turn to sit back and, and uh, just relax. We'll leave that now for someone else. Do, do you see youth and children's work as a whole church event? And if so, how can everyone get involved in it? I think definitely it's a whole church thing. Um, you know, one of the things that, that Julie and I see us, my, ourselves as are spiritual grandparents in the church, right? We've got five grandchildren ourselves, ranging from uh, 16 then to just under two. And, you know, I love working with them, but I love working with the other kids as well. And, yeah, I, I just, you know, I just see there's a real... Um, real challenge still there to be met uh, part of it is yeah you know, i would say to people actually what you get out of this is you know far more than the times you put in right yeah there are some tough times working with some kids but i remember going back to the youth club years ago we had a few lads from the area who were quite rough and ready lads and and caused us quite a bit of problem but i remember one day i was sat with one of them alone in the corner of the room and he was just chatting away and i thought yeah what you were showing me last week was bravado. What I'm seeing now is the real you. And the real you is just crying out for somebody to sit and talk to you. You probably don't have this at home. But just somebody to sit and talk. And I think no matter what age any of us are, we can still have an impact on youngsters' lives, right? And, and through life's experiences, we can actually share those. And, and I think it isn't just something about employing a youth worker in church and, and then say, right, actually, there you go. There's the portfolio. It's all yours. It's about, yeah, they may coordinate stuff, but we all have a responsibility. And I would say to everyone else is, uh, anyone else who saw, you're thinking, oh, is that really my job? Is that something I should be doing? Yes, it is, right? Because biblically it says we are to do that. And you will get so much out of it, Yeah. Uh, yeah, you may not be able to charge around all the time, but you, know, you can do something. Sometimes just be that, that listening ear, that guiding influence, that spiritual mentor to, to those youngsters, right? It takes all, yeah? It, yeah, there's that old Chinese saying, isn't there? It takes a whole village to raise a child. And I think that applies very much to what we do within the church, that it, it takes a whole church to raise our children and our youth. It is not them to one person. We don't buy somebody in and say, there you go, it's all yours. No, that's great. And from a personal perspective, Paul, I just want to take this moment to honour you for what you have done in my life. There's not many Sundays that go by, actually, where I don't think of you and Julie and think I'm doing this because of the input you guys had in my life. You said I was good friends with your son, Dan. You know, it's still true. And we were inseparable growing up and I practically lived in your house for quite a long time, years. In fact, I did for a few months as well live in your house. And I just look back on the input you've had in my life and what you've done. Thank you. And, you know, I thank God for you and Julian for, for what you yeah, inputted into me. Yeah. And I think the, the moral of that story is that we've all got a part to play in the lives of our children and our young people. Absolutely. What it's entrusted us with. It's a privilege that we have to, to look after those children and to input into their lives. Yeah. 
But I, I can take that story slightly further. I, I remember we were at a conference with Richard Hardy, who was the minister at the time in Cheltenham, one of the um, oh, big church in America, the name escapes me at the moment, but that's my age. Uh, it was one of their conferences. And we actually, I remember sitting there and I looked about four rows down and you were sat about four rows in front of me at this big conference. And at the tea break, I stood up and turned around. And four rows behind, there was this white-haired old man who was a guy called Viv Foot, who was my Sunday school teacher from years ago. And, it's, and even now, the hairs on the back of my neck have gone up thinking about it. And I think what that guy invested in my life sat four rows behind me. I was able to invest into your life. So there is a legacy the whole way through this, right? Never lose sight. I'm going to say to anyone, never lose sight of what impact you will have. And I remember we were doing some work in with the youth and, you know, you know what some of them were like when you were around in that youth. They were a bit of a nightmare at times. And I sat in the, our local pub one day with uh, Andrew Perrier, a friend of mine. And uh, these lads about 18, 19, 21 walked in. And I thought, oh, they're not going to cause trouble in there. It was quite a nice, quiet evening. And one of them walked back and said, are you Paul Keeping? And I said, that depends if I owe you money or not. But he said, you know, can I just buy you a pint? He said, because the stick we gave you, I was part of the youth club for, that came in from the streets, and the stick we gave you, are, and yet you came back every week, every single week, and I just want to buy you a pint. And I was, yeah, and I thought, he needn't have done that, but I was really honoured in the, the fact that the guy had done that. Yeah, so. That's great. And Paul, thanks so much for just taking the time to talk to me about this. And my hope and my heart is that as a church, we might hear some good news stories yeah. like this and say, do you know what? There's a part for me to play. I don't know what that part might be yet. Yeah. But Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's uh, good. Well, I'll let you get back to your tea, Paul. I know I've taken you from that. You, no you have. Chat for you. Well, if you were here, you'd probably take my tea. Well, that is true because I'm going for my tea now and I am so hungry. All right, bless you, mate. Let, yeah. let just, can I just pray over you in the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Father, I just thank you for Luke. I thank you for the influence. He talks about the influence I've had on his life, but I thank you for the influence he's had on mine. Father, and I pray that as he and the church walk through this journey of, of where they're to be with youth and children, that you will be the guide. You will, they will see your footsteps. They will take put their hand into your hand, Father, and that they will know which way they are to go forward. Mm. Uh, and in your name we pray this, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Yes, thank you, Paul. And, yeah. uh, and, and just, oh, well, put me in the way, just point out to the church, yeah. Just twice. I point out every week. It's an every week conversation. So that's Paul. And, you know, I can tell you lots of stories about the way that he has influenced me and he's set the direction or helped set the direction of my life. A funny story which I always remember. Do you remember those days where we used to be super holy as Christians and attend church twice on a Sunday? Anyone else used to attend church twice? There's a few people. Uh, my, my, my home church in Portsmouth, we used to have two services. And, and uh, it got to a point, one Sunday, I was a Christian at this point, but me and my, my friend Dan said, we don't want to go tonight. Let's go and play snooker instead. So we've got our snooker cues. And foolishly, I don't know why we did it, but we walked past the church on the way to the snooker hall. And who was stood outside the church that day? It was Paul. And instead of going to play snooker, somehow we ended up in church. He set the direction of my life. 
He helps set the direction. Here's the great thing, church. As we think about starting out and the children and young people we have, we get the enormous responsibility and privilege to input into our children too. How do we do that? By setting the example. By setting the direction that they should go and we leave the rest to God. I'm going to hand back to Zoe who's going to lead us in response.